The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Got a fun episode for you tonight. We're going to talk about the Ravens draft this year the 2022 draft and it has been a good one so far we'll talk about where we think the the uh the stock indicators are at this point for the season and joining me to do that today is danny joseph danny how you doing good to hear you ken yeah a very exciting uh rookie class and uh you know when they made the picks and post draft it was it was a pluses and uh flying colors for eric DaCosta, and it, it um seems like they're off to a really good start uh and i think 
also after watching the last two Ravens games, um, I think everybody's really excited for where this class can go uh, and continue to grow over this year and in the next next few years for the Ravens. Yeah, I, I would agree. Very excited. And, uh, you know, they, they did end up on draft day trading Marquise Brown. So there really better be a payoff from this draft, as, as most people would say. The value they got for Brown was absolutely astronomical in terms of a, you know, a first round pick on a, a guy who, uh, you know, had already played three of his first four years or four of his first five years. Let me think about this. Three of his first four years, right? Yep. So uh exciting uh anyway let's uh let's talk about the players i'll i'll oh got to do two things first uh where can folks find you on twitter so i'm at uh d joseph 0815 um that's my twitter handle i uh i will reply to a few things uh, mainly just we'll try to comment on a couple of things um but anyone who wants to talk football especially ravens uh would love to talk and uh hear more from hear more from fans for sure all right. Outstanding. Got to have a shout out for our sponsor now. That's Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, good seltzer flavors. A lot of, lot of good choices there that are, that are uh, uh, very tasty. The lime seltzer, I think, is good. But in particular, if you're environmentally conscious, they use uh, aluminum cans and tall boys. Uh, kind of looks like you have a beer. But uh, the, the big thing there is that um, aluminum is actually a metal that is environmentally uh, more viable because it's it's um, uh, the recycling centers will take it and they can make money on it, whereas they can't make money on plastic. And so your plastic ends up in a landfill. So uh, if you're a little bit greener, if that's important to you, uh, buy the product for that. If it's if it's not important to you, buy it for the taste. Anyway, please give their product a try. They've been very good to us. Appreciate having you on, Danny. I want to let you lead the way here. Uh, take us right into it in terms of who you want to talk about. Yeah, so I guess uh, we'll start with the 14th overall pick, um, one of the higher, highest picks uh, the Ravens have done in a while, I think, since Ronnie Stanley, um, and that is Kyle Hamilton, who uh, I think from the beginning of training camp to essentially week one um, was in a a media spiral. Um, I other I don't know how other other way to say it other than that he was. Um, kind of criticized for a little bit of his, of his training camp and preseason play. Um, and I think watching the games, he did some things very well. Uh, he also looked a little lost at times. Um, and I think that that uh, definitely translated to probably the beginning of the season for Hamilton. Um, looked like he struggled at times with indecisiveness um, in, in the Miami game as well. Um, I think it's, I'm not sure if it was confirmed by Harbaugh, the coaching staff, but it seems like some of the coverage miscues were, it's confirmed by me. It's confirmed. <laughs> and it's actually, confirmed. You, you know, the thing is, it was confirmed at the time by uh, Marcus Williams and how he gestured after the play. That's all you really got to see. Players it, won't do that to each other because they got to watch film the next day if it's not really the other guy's problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, it yeah, that, that would seem to be the low point of the Kyle Hamilton rookie experience. Um and the Patriots game, I, th I think they shortened up his snap count a tremendous bit, uh, even though he had that forced fumble that would, was a nice play. Mm -hmm. um, and, and since then, he's kind of started to find his footing game by game. And I think the last two weeks have been um, much, much better. And I, I think the Saints game is was his best game yet uh, for the Ravens, because I think they finally found uh, maybe the role that they're going to play him in uh, for the rest of the season. And hopefully... Um, as it was pretty exciting to see him playing that big nickel role. Um, 
and, you know, flying all over the field. Uh, he looked much more comfortable, much more decisive. Um, and his, his PFF grades and um, a lot of the, a lot of the analytics uh, community have kind of followed and said that he's starting to, you know, find, find his spot in, um, in the Ravens defense. Yeah, so the, the the big nickel is the real exciting thing to me is that the Ravens showed a willingness to have him on the field versus 11, 12, and 13 personnel. Now, if it's 12 or 13 personnel, he's the obvious guy because you want it, it when the other team puts either two or three tight ends on the field to have a bigger coverage player. And Hamilton, always from the very beginning, he's been thought of as a great matchup guy for tight ends. The exciting thing is they left him in here in 11 personnel. And that's that's a place where I think He'll probably have that role until he proves that, that other teams are able to exploit it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's one of these things that that uh, you know you you find this remarkable uh, opportunity for additional playmaking on the field. And and you know, in the last game, seeing him pluck that ball out of the air was really nice. Uh, it wasn't an easy play. You look at it; the ball was up. Yeah, it did hang up hang up in the air for a while, but nobody else converged to the football. Hamilton was the only guy who did. And think about how many of those end up dropping in, and how many. Uh, passes the Ravens bat at the line of scrimmage. And I think you you can put those together and think that Kyle Hamilton could be a really valuable player uh, in short zone. Uh, covering a slot receiver, I don't think anybody is really great at doing it when they run really great whip routes. I think it, anybody has a lot of trouble covering that. So it's really about how can he disrupt routes off the line of scrimmage? How can he not get beat too badly on crossing routes? How can they provide other help to him? on crossing routes, but I think there, there are, um, you know, a number of ways he can certainly help from playing that slot corner role that I'm really excited about. How about you? Absolutely. I, I, I want to definitely see him, uh, use his size more, use that length, um, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it seems like his, the, the, the problem receiver, the, well, the type of receiver that would give him problems would be, uh, the short shifty, um, in and out of routes. But, but like you said, you know, those are very difficult receivers to cover, and we've seen, you know, athletes make careers out of that and, and right. sign huge extensions like Renthro and, and Edelman, the, these great slot receivers. Welker. So Welker, um, it, it, you know, it's a, it's one of the tougher positions to cover. And the Ravens value it so much that sometimes they've even thrown Humphrey um, in the slot. And arguably, when we talk about the future rookies, that may have been one of their plans is to put Humphrey back in the slot and, you know, try to find an outside corner role with Armour Davis. Um, but I think that we can all prefer Marlon Humphrey on the outside is he, he has just been fantastic this year. Um, and if you're looking at the one, you know, the, the one weakness remaining of the Ravens defense, barring all health, um, that slot corner, the, the big nickel role is, is really the, the, the final chess piece of, of an elite defense. Right. I, I agree completely. And even though they're down to three safeties right now, and there are times when the Ravens really want to make sure they have three on the field, they've got a fourth potentially coming back in a month. And the acquisition of Roquan Smith cut down on the number, I believe, of pure dime opportunities they're going to have on this team, which cuts down naturally on, on Hamilton snaps more than anybody's because Clark and, Clark and Stone are going to be on the field. They, they both have very clearly defined roles, and Clark wears the green dot. But Hamilton needs to play more, and, and it, it makes a ton of sense to get him in there anytime you can uh, on a slot receiver. And I think there'll be some – some good opportunities to try and match up. There are teams that have three Smurfs in terms of, you know, smaller, quicker guys uh, who does it. But there's a lot of teams that, that really rely on at least one big receiver. And uh, and if if they put 
that player on one side with a smaller guy, even if they try and cross it, cross you up to, to with motion to, to start the play, you might be able to get that, uh, uh, you know, covered up the way you want to as most, uh, the way you'd most prefer to. So I'm so excited about, about Hamilton being in there. And I think, I really do think largely because the Ravens' other options are not particularly good, that it means that Hamilton's going to get the opportunity to fail in the role. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, and, and, ex- and just excited to see what, what's next for this Ravens, uh, for their, for their secondary as a whole. And um, I think the next guy that, you know, the, the man who is uh, the trade it with in that Marquise Brown uh, trade is Tyler Linderbaum. And um, if we're judging the Ravens on their past two wins, I think his entire role on the team and what he can get do to the run game uh, is just really critical to the offense. Uh, and, you know, as a, as a run blocker, as a pass blocker, I, I'll let you uh, take the floor on that one. <laughs> um, as a, as a run blocker, he can um, definitely do things for their offense. I, I don't think Bozeman could have um in terms of like getting to the second level and some of the like highlight reel uh blocking the the the, the crazy twitter clips of him running to uh Devin White halfway down the football field um but Linderbaum uh, you know it, it's been I wouldn't say up and down but he has definitely shown some of the um limitations to his game um and I think the two things that he can really improve on it, at least in this season are um just communication with Lamar and making sure that when they're on the road and in a hostile environment um, or in a, you know, an essential playoff game uh, that, that the snaps are are clean and and the communication is clean. I don't think it's a great sign that in uh, new Orleans and New York, he's had the communication issues um, because what does that look like in Arrowhead in January or Buffalo in January? Um, If the Ravens are going to go on the road in these places, we, you want to make sure that that communication is shored up by then. Yeah. Or hopefully it's Baltimore in January, but we'll see yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, where absolutely. it is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree on, I think all you said, and obviously you're, you're, you're letting me be the bearer of bad news in terms of talking about the pass blocking. I don't mind doing that. Um, I, I want to give the most balanced report I possibly can on, on title Linderbaum. And I think generally speaking, there is a word in Russian I've just learned in the last couple of days that describes a lot about Baltimore fans and I think you know, you know the broader NFL analysts, their their um, view of of Tyler Linderbaum, and the word is Vranyo, okay, and it's pronounced that way anyway. If I'm mispronouncing it, some Russian speaker is going to get me on this. And the, the Russians have a word for lies, and it's like losh, but they have another word when that's just a falsehood, mistruth, opposite of true. You know, it's it's, it's that sort of word. Uh, Vranyo is different. Vranyo has a connotation that goes with it. That means, um, we both know it's bullshit, but we're both just going <laughs> to nod our heads and say it's true. And it's, it's a, it's ascribed to the Russian military a lot about, about, um, passing on and inflating bad reports on what's going on all the way to the top until, you know, the information is absolutely useless in terms of making decisions. And so th- this was the context in which I, I heard the word used and, and I thought, you know, this is this kind of applies to Tyler Linderbaum as a pass blocker. He's been a terrible pass blocker so far. There's, I don't want to sugarcoat it in any way. And and unfortunately, that's the important part about being an offensive lineman. Period. You got to be a good pass blocker, and and not a good run blocker if you had the way to choose. You know, pass blocking is the on base percentage of statistics, and 
And run blocking is the slugging percentage. And on base percentage is more important for fans who know that. Uh, uh, so you, if you're only going to be good at one, you got to be good at that. Um, I, you know, that said, Tyler Linderbaum has come up with a basically league average play at center during his rookie year. That's a great place to start. And if I look at all the Ravens draftees of the past, they've typically improved from their rookie year. And I'm looking at players like Skura and Bozeman and Jensen, a lot of guys who ended up playing center, obviously, for the Ravens, but also guys who played other positions as well. They have generally improved. And, you know, it's it, the fact that Tyler Lindebaum has been too small for imposing nose tackles shouldn't be something where we just say, no, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair, so we're going to give him a pass on that. Well, you know, 20 of the 32 nose tackles in the National Football League are probably going to be too big for, for Tyler Lindebaum to handle this year. I'm hoping that can improve with technique, take up karate, do whatever he has to do to learn the tricks that make up for a lack of length and a lack of size. Uh, we've seen it done with Kelly Gregg, so we know it can be done with defensive players. We've seen it with other offensive linemen with shorter arms as well, including Marshall Yanda. We know it's possible for, for him to get somewhat better, and I think it's predictable that he will be somewhat better than he has been at this rookie year. But let's avoid the Vranio. <laughs> and, and avoid the pretending and nodding each other that, yeah, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread in terms of what he's performed so far. It hasn't really been that good. He's been a league average player. But the good about it is that, hey, he's a rookie. He has a lot of room for growth. We're still very excited about his future. He is not Creed Humphrey. He didn't jump right in at all pro level. And I think, in fact, the likelihood of him being an all pro player uh, is very low at this point. Pro Bowl, he might make a pro bowl because, hey, six people – you know, drop the game or even two people drop the game and he's overvoted. But uh, uh, I don't see him as being an all pro uh, center based on what I have seen from his rookie year. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I think one thing that, you know, it, unfortunately he is also tied <clears throat> to that trade um, and mm -hmm. in that trade uh, while they did get terrific value for, Marquise Brown, you know, Tyler Linderbaum is that value. It's, you know, the, the JJ formula, the JJ chart value, that is all fun. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the, the player is who you get, you know, and mm -hmm. the player they got is Tyler Linderbaum. And it's really hard to not think about what this Ravens team could possibly look like with a league average center veteran um, and Marquise Brown still as their leading wide receiver. Um, I think that that is probably the, one of the main needs, probably the major need of this team right now is still that number one. Um, now, whether that, you know, it, that, that's for the 2022 season, obviously Marquise Brown's tire value to the, to the team changes once you have to pay him. Um, yeah. But it is really hard to, you know, think about the caliber of this defense and the, the window that they could possibly have to get home field advantage um, and not think about what a, you know, a wide receiver one and, and what Hollywood draws to the offense um, and what that could do for this team this season. But, you know, Linderbaum is in terms of the future of the Ravens 2022 and beyond. Uh, it seems like it was still a sharp move, um, but it is hard not to think about what, what could be this season without Marquise Brown. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's not here right now. Has he been healthy? I, I haven't even seen, has he been playing every week? Well, I picked him in uh, fantasy in uh, I think every single league because the, the Cardinals just essentially play fantasy football. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he had a Liz Frank sprain, I believe. Uh, and he, I think, is one to two weeks away from, from coming back. 
Um, I think he went down like week six, week seven, maybe, um, maybe week, around there. Uh, but he was, you know, he, he was producing. Um, I don't know how, in terms of his his war and and all of that, once you take out the amount of times the Cardinals throw the ball, but um, he was producing in that offense. Now, granted, that was uh, without DeAndre Hopkins. I think he only played one or two weeks with Hopkins, um, but he was uh, producing in Arizona for sure. Okay, so uh, no, that's not that's not for the year. I'm looking trying to get his yards per target. Yeah, seven point six for the year, which is about where he was in his career in Baltimore, seven point four over three years. So. Uh, that is not a great figure, to to be sure. No, but, yeah, uh, he was much higher, la- much higher last year for the rape when Lamar was healthy, right? He was, he, I think, he was over ten. Uh, he was over ten early in the season. Yeah, it finished at six point nine, and I think you're right that most of that was Huntley uh, down the stretch that really uh, hurt me. Is he a five yard per target guy yeah, towards the end yeah. of the season? So, yeah, it was miserable to watch. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to David Ajabo. What I mean, we haven't seen anything. Other than a few nice, nice uh, uh, pictures from practice, what do you? What would be a win for you in terms of being on the path to getting good draft value for David Ajabo from what he would do for the rest of the year? Yeah, in a in a four year window, I guess it's a positive that he's practicing and he's not on the season long IR, uh, and he's mm-hmm. at least around uh, Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul. I, I think that's valuable. Um, There's a weird Harbaugh quote in the press conference on I think Monday about Kolar and Ojabo um, and essentially just said like, when we feel they're ready to be productive, they'll play. Um, which I, I assumed that Ojabo would come back this, this upcoming week, but that I think may have pumped the brakes on that whole, whole ordeal, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think any added pass rush juice that he can add it down the stretch um, would be extremely valuable. I think they're going to need a, a, a great four-man pass rush to, to beat some of the top-tier teams in the AFC. And I think our secondary, when if, if they had a four-man pass rush that was, that was humming, I think that would be you know, phenomenal for, for what our defense could possibly be um, in a year when offense have seen, has seemed more volatile than, than most things. Having a, having a consistent defense would be a, a heck of an advantage in the playoffs. Um, I, I do think if he's able to give you – 15 to 20 snaps a game, that would be tremendous uh, value for year one um, and hope that he can go into year two off season healthy. It, it's a pretty good pick I, I, to get that kind of caliber athlete. Um, now I, in terms of the contract, not getting a fifth year option on a pass rusher, it, that that kind of hurts and you're only going to get three hypothetical healthy value years out of him. Um, but this was a top 15 guy in the draft and to get him at 45, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. There, there are other players there now that definitely do seem appealing. Um, but it seems like you know it, we've kind of expected him to be back at this time. It seems like things have gone to plan so far. So uh, why not uh, and give him a shot down the stretch here, see if he can add anything. What do you think? So a few things about this. The the bar has to be pretty high on his pass rushing, given the once we've said we're willing to lose a year and draft him at forty five and only get three years out of him, and and maybe it ends up being. Three and a half, and maybe it honestly ends up still being two and a half because developmentally he's not where he needs to be, uh, or he gets hurt again. I mean, if he gets hurt again, that's 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 part of the risk of taking anybody. It's not just a part of the risk of taking David Ajabo, but um, it'd be more if like if he's not really ready to go from this injury, that would be where where I would draw the line. But anyway, 
I'm, I'm with you that I think not using losing the year developmentally is tremendously important in terms of what I, what I want from him. I don't want what I want from a second round pass rusher. I want what I want from a first round pass rusher. If we're going to give up the year on him. So for, for next year, the next three years, I want that for the rest of this year, I'd say the over under maybe one and a half sacks. I think he'll play about eight snaps a game the rest of the way. If I had to, had to guess it, he'll be inactive some weeks. He'll be a, a pure um, situational pass rusher. So when he does play, maybe he'll get 12, 14 snaps in games. Uh, and other times he he won't get very many at all. But if, if I had to guess, I, and, and he might get hurt and miss a week or two. So you're, you might over-under be about eight snaps per game on him. For, for what he, and, and one and a half sacks for the for the year would be the uh, uh, the other side of that. And if he could do more than that, I think we, he really has exceeded expectations on the initial draft pick because I didn't really see him back this early. Uh, he's beaten my expectation already in being on the field, being able to practice during this time. Of course, very first week he's available to play, he was he was inactive. Um, now, I, and I'm sorry, I missed your comment early. Do you thought that the availability of Jason Pierre-Paul might reduce the chance that Ajabo plays? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that signing it, it definitely impacts his, I guess, like future playing time. Um, I, I, I do think that they've also, I think they feel comfortable with the pass rush not to force him back at all at the, at this point with the amount of, with their current status of health. Um, not that you want him in the bullpen, you know, waiting for someone to get hurt, but um, it, it, it definitely seems like getting Bowser back and, and having Houston OA healthy, you know, they don't need to force Ojabo. And I don't think they would have either, either way, but they don't need to force him at all. Right. Okay. Well, right. They, it's uh, it'll be exciting. Or hopefully, we'll see more race car down the stretch. More more opportunities to put multiple outside linebackers on the field. The most they've had on, on the field so far this year is three. They've only done that a few times. Uh, so you know, it's it's uh, an opportunity to get back to some of that wink defense where you have extra extra OLBs. Yeah, and from where they were <laughs> the week two Miami game when Oway was running a marathon. Uh, yeah, I think they're in a good spot. And I next pick. Uh, Travis Jones and um, definitely jumped into a much bigger role when, when he was called upon with, with Michael Pierce getting injured. And uh, it seems like as soon as Jones got healthy, Pierce went down and um, you know, his importance to the defense and his importance to the Ravens is, is just tremendous now. And um, not that they are, their interior defensive line is, is, you know, lacking, but it, it definitely is important to have a true, I, I guess, nose tackle. And it seems like Jones has, um had some challenges in challenges in run defense and i think it's shown up in a couple of games uh but what you know as a rookie you know getting thrown into that role and, and probably a bigger role than expected I, I think that he has you know performed about what you can expect for a rookie to do um and he's shown some flashes of, of pass rush when given the opportunity or at least you know creating some type of pressure yeah, I, I'm I'm positive about that. I think that it would have been nice to see him at a three to see what he could give, how much trouble he could give a guard one on one more often. Uh, you know, you don't sometimes you can you can move someone to a zero and sometimes get a head up opportunity against the center as well, depending on how you how you set your line and uh, how they're sliding their protection and whatnot. But uh, it is, I, I think we probably have not seen the best of his ability to rush the passer yet. I think we definitely haven't seen the best of his ability to provide really stout run defense. Um, he may need a may need the whole year in NFL weight room. You know, is is part of the thing. I I really don't know. He's 
He's enormous up top, but I don't really know what his real functional strength is like on the field and how he's, uh, you know, able to uh, throw people around. If you look at, at, you know, an example of a guy with more functional strength that might be a little bit smaller in the arms, uh, look at Matabike. The guy is just one big muscle from his toe to the top of his head. And, you know, he could turn his body like nobody to, to, to throw weight around like a Caterpillar tractor. In, in the way he's uh, he's uh, moving people. So uh, you know, Travis Jones is not exactly that. And I hope that, you know, maybe getting back with Pierce will help him as a big man, trying to understand how to, how to move around, what, what he can do to take a first step. He already has some real, obviously penetrative ability um, in terms of, of uh, how he rushes the passer. Um, but, but I'm hoping for improvement over the second half. I don't think he's been terrible by any stretch so far. Uh, but I just think I, I am still hoping for more at, at, at the, uh, at the spot they got him. I thought he was a real steal. Yeah. Great value in the draft. Uh, a pounding when they were making the pick, I was yelling, Travis Jones, Travis Jones. And it was, uh, it was refreshing to see that, that come through. That was, that was an awesome pick. Um, the next guy, uh, next, next guy drafted was Falele. Correct. Uh, one was it one ten is the next one or Armor Davis? Either one. Let's whoever you want to talk about. Yeah, I, I mean Armor Davis. I guess we'll go from we'll go to a negative. Um, uh, as as we've seen him uh, have his struggles for sure. I I don't think he's really been on the field a ton since week three. Um, and he had a he had some inactive uh, stretches there. Uh, when when he was. You may have started to notice the strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores, but that's not beer. That's why it's in the water section. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help to bring a death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Plus, you can have some fun with it. I love my liquid death. I'm taking it to work every day, throwing it in the backpack. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting. There's nothing like getting on a Zoom meeting at 9 a.m. and cracking open a liquid death and watching the other screens as people try to figure out what you're drinking that early in the morning on a work call. So go on over, check out liquid death, pick it up yourself, and go on over and get it at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com forward slash film study. All right. You might have frozen up there for a second oh. and, and come back, but hopefully your recording is okay. I'm just marking down the time here so we can fix that if we need to. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you now. You're uh, fine. But uh, you made some comments about Armour Davis not being on the field for a while. And uh, and that's certainly true. He was inactive for weeks four through seven. And I, I don't believe he's played a snap defensively since he's returned. So he hasn't he hasn't actually played since what about early in, in week three when he got yanked. So he he got pulled off the field. I want to pull this up here and just make sure we're talking about the same thing. But yeah, he so against New England, the last snap he played was fairly early in the game. It was the ninth snap of the game, and then he got he got benched after giving up a couple of big plays. Didn't come back to the field, and he hasn't been back on the field now for the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks defensively. So, uh, you know, bummer for him. 
uh, you, you hope that you can at least get a modest amount of play as a fourth-round rookie. I think Anthony Averett is a good guy to point to as a fourth-round rookie in terms of, of you know a developmental path that's reasonable. Averett played about 65 snaps in his rookie year, then about 200 in his second year. If he could have had that kind of a, a path, I think that would have been great. He's going to have trouble getting to 65 snaps this year. At least I think he is. I don't think he, he, he played that much the first two games, but I better watch myself before I say it. He played 48 snaps so far. Um, he's probably actually got a reasonable shot to get to 65. It'll, it'll, it'll pick up hopefully some playing time at the end of a game somewhere. Yeah, let's hope it's let's hope it's in garbage time and and not out of necessity. Uh, you know, not that we we need to, you know, get rid of the draft pick, but um, you know, week two, I think it was Jalen Waddle who was running circles around him. Which you know, Jalen Waddle is a, a terrific wide receiver. We don't need to lose our minds there. Uh, but when Devontae Parker was, um, you know blow torching him down the field. I, I think that uh he definitely needs some developmental time. Um but a a you know a good future piece and hopefully you know he could provide some value to outside corner um and, and developing uh and develop there for sure. So you if you're approaching next year's draft, do you say the Ravens really need a corner at this point? Or and I'll give you the other option, or do you think that it, they can let Peters go and hope Armor Davis is the guy as early as next year to play on the outside? No. They, they're, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think the second corner position is way too essential to their defense. Um, now, whether that is more important than wide receiver, uh, I guess we'll we'll see in the playoffs uh, or we'll see down the stretch here how important um, a Rashad Bateman loss uh, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think we've just watched that movie too many times. So when they lose one of Peters and Humphrey, uh, how much of a disaster it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their health, I think is the, uh, outside of Lamar and Ronnie Stanley, they're the two most critical pieces to the team. Uh, but yeah, to, I, I do think the corner and getting a young, young guy coming up, that's a, you know, a top tier talent is probably the most essential thing for their defense. And, and hopefully a guy that can fit, you know, McDonald's scheme, not just a, you know, a main coverage beast, but a guy that can get their hands on the ball, make plays, um, and provide a little bit of what Marcus, Marcus Peters gives to their defense. Yes. Um, hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully there is a guy uh, that they find yeah. there, whether it's whether it's a draft pick. And, and obviously, we hope it's a draft pick because that's cheaper. Uh, I, I don't think there's I don't think they're going to give Fuller another chance. Uh, honestly, I think, you know, the, the age and, and a, recently coming off an injury makes him too big a risk. Um, Pepe Williams is not an outside guy, so I wouldn't see that as the answer. Him as the answer. Um it, it it gets hard, but I think they've got to go outside the organization. I don't think there's a there's another guy inside who who is who is the guy at this point. Yeah, for for sure. Um, but but one guy that you know could maybe provide them some value at tackle in the future is uh, Falele. Uh, I you know with the next then I guess we're going down the list here. Um, mm-hmm. He you know when he jumped in there, I, I believe uh, week week three is when he got called upon uh, against the Patriots. Um, they had him at left tackle, uh, right off the bat. Correct. And trial by fire. That's right. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was a weird, uh, like victory celebration amongst Ravens Twitter when I was checking at halftime of, um, or after the game about how he played admirably. And, um, I didn't, I didn't really think that it was admirable, um, of, of that he could, you know, be a replacement level left tackle this year. Um, he played, I guess, fine, but it certainly showed struggles. And 
Um, one thing I, I always try to pay attention to when I'm watching is, you know, you have to follow number 42 on the, around the field. And if 42 is standing right next to the tackle the whole time, that's generally a sign that the tackle isn't playing very well. Um, so I think that he got a lot of help in that game. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, Falele is, he's not going to be their future left tackle. He can't be. Um, I think that maybe that overreaction for his play was a little bit of worry about will Ronnie Stanley ever come back? Um, which thank God he has, uh, but, but Falele, you know, he's not their future left tackle. I, I think that, you know, give him a, give him some time to develop. He can show that possibly he can play it, uh, for as their right tackle in the future. Um, but what did you think about him as tackle play so far? I, I know they've gone over in your offensive line reviews, but. Sure. So he had five snaps against Miami that were as a sixth offensive lineman, but the, the snaps he's had against New England and Buffalo were all at left tackle. Um, it's, it is uh, a mishmash of not good things. A lot of missed blocks, 21 missed blocks, a lot of missed blocks for that number of snaps. Um, but he's, he's given up two and a half pressures, a third of a quarterback hit, two and two-thirds sacks, uh, had one five-yard penalty, and had one penetration, which is allowing a, a run for a loss on, on his watch. So it's a, it's a mix of stuff. But let's, let me, let me make, say it in the glasses half full way. I see improvement in him. I see there's there is there are things he's doing better, and there are elements of being a tackle that I really like that he has. I think he has a decent mirror. I think he has some ability to um, engage quickly when he's very much overseen to do that. Meaning it's a point of emphasis in practice. Um, he, he can engage quickly and keep a pass rusher outside of the pocket, even to a greater degree than than Ronnie Stanley seems to be. Um, eager to do. Ronnie Stanley very much a, a give ground towards the quarterback to maintain his mirror. And we saw in the last preseason game in particular from Falele that he'd, he'd been able to maintain um, uh, his engagement further away from the quarterback, maintain a larger pocket. Um, in both of these games, he didn't completely fall off the table. So we've seen some games from O'Neill Cousins, from James Hurst, from uh, Alex Lewis when they went in at tackle that they just imploded. Um, in their in their opportunities there, that didn't happen. So he's you know his two scores are a 46 and a 49. His first game, he got destroyed in the first 10 plays, basically two two sacks to Dietrich Wise, and then the rest of the game he was actually pretty good in that second half. Um, I think he might only had one negative play or maybe even none in the second half. He had some missed blocks, but but no negative plays. So it, it was a uh, it I, I can't pull anything out of it so far from a grading perspective that is positive. It's all about, you know, where could he go from here? It's it's a little bit like the Tyler Linderbaum story, except Tyler Linderbaum starting off at a better place than Lily is, but both of them and the fact that they, neither of them has imploded with an absolutely horrible game so far, um, I think is a, is a, is a sign we can really look at. That's a, that's a positive, but clearly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, trying to even compare the two and say that Linderbaum hasn't been better than Falalele. He of course has, um, but they're, they're both starting from not where you want them to end. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I was a little too, too harsh on Falalele. I, I just was uh, a, a little, a, a little uh, amazed. I, you know, people get very excited that he didn't give up a sack to Von Miller and um, he, he's got to, he's got to improve in some other areas, but um, not a, not a, not a failed pick so far and uh, definitely hopeful for his future. And um, kind of goes to show the rookie class. There's a lot of hope uh, for yep. all these guys they can contribute. Um, and, and hope is really all we have for Charlie Kolar. We haven't seen him play. 
Um, but I think that it, it it's probably a really good sign that he hasn't been that he wasn't put on the season long IR. I, mm-hmm. I'm actually amazed by that. I he must have, um, you know, have shown something or some bring something to the offense um, that we don't know about. Um, if he was able to get have his practice squad window opened and then somehow show that he deserved an, an activation because they're going to have to make um, some very, one very difficult roster decision based on this. Um, and I don't know who that player is, uh, but if they need to make room for Charlie Kolar, he must give them something that, that we don't see right now. Right. I, 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 I don't think, um, I mean, he's active right now. So I think that the decision has already been made. So somebody has already off the roster, right. For Kolar at this point. I yeah. Or so. they, or they left their, they, I know they've been leaving the roster like 51, 52. So um, maybe they didn't need to get rid of someone right away, but I can't see them having five tight end. Yeah. I think it might actually have been the Bateman IR that did it was the offsetting oh, okay. move. So, so it, uh, it's a case where they didn't have to make a, make a choice right away. Bateman's obviously on season ending IR with the surgery, but they also are not going to carry five tight ends week yeah. in, week after week. And, and, uh, you know, the tight end, this is such a great situation to have a tight end where everybody is now fighting for snaps and doing a lot of things well. So the, the big change Isaiah likely used early, and we can just to maybe overlap the discussion with these two Absolutely. here since they're both tight ends, but Isaiah likely was a pure designated receiver who had made so many mistakes during the preseason as a pass block, as a run blocker, I should say, uh, he had you know, holding penalties everywhere <laughs> during that preseason. And, and, you know, he was near perfect as a, as a receiver. So they were using it in what I call the old Mark Andrews role of being a designated receiver. And when Andrews and Hurst were taken, Andrews was the guy who was a designated receiver. Hurst was more of a mixed role, move tight end blocker, blah, 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 you know, put line him up in the backfield if you want to. Um, but you know, Andrews was the guy if who, who had much higher percentage of tar- uh, targets as a percentage of snaps than Hurst did, which is one of the reasons you know Hurst really wanted out, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much right away on 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 this team. But um, uh, with uh, uh, with Isaiah likely playing so well as a run blocker, and you know, Kolar having that reputation, and Andrews run blocking at a high level, and Oliver run blocking at a high level, and Oliver will probably lose some snaps, but I don't I don't know how you keep Nick Boyle when that's his major claim to fame is what he can provide as a run blocker. Because we know Andrews and likely can can provide some other things. We hope Kolar could provide some other things. Oliver is playing so well right now. I don't know how you sit him, but he's gonna he's gonna lose snaps when when Kolar comes back. And Boyle, I I just I don't see how there's room for him. I just don't see it. Yeah, it, it, that's crazy to say because two years ago he was so essential to the team's formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, I, I mean, have you seen a a guy turn around their run blocking abilities as quickly as Isaiah Likely? Because th- this is, um, you know, I, I mean, have you ever like never, studied never, yeah. literally never? And, and and you know, the Ravens have had a number of tight ends. I've racked my brain trying to think of a guy who had become a you know a, a good run blocker from being a terrible run blocker you know kind of overnight like this I, ca- I cannot recall a single instance in Ravens history and they've had a lot of great blocking tight ends over the years and and you know I, you look at guys who who ended up being good blockers Sipniewski and and uh uh Crockett Gilmore and guys like that um most of the time they were good blocking tight ends who added a little receiving you sometimes see that 
But going the other direction, much, much rarer that you, you get a receiver who ends up being a blocker. And, and I, I, I couldn't come up with a single one. I tried to look through Ravens history to find somebody who, who kind of met that description. But I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I wouldn't have thought to do it. No, I, I, I mean, I was watching the preseason game when he got two holding calls. And I'm, I was just wondering if he was ever going to be able to see the field because he's such a liability. Uh, so it's been great to see him improve. And I, I get, I hope that that's a great sign for his development, his, his desire to get better, uh, putting that much effort into, into run blocking. And if that's your, if that's your ticket onto the field for the Baltimore Ravens, I guess you really have no choice, but, um, that's, that's good on him. And uh, Kolar must add, you know, or, or hopefully he can add something to the offense that, um, maybe they're, they're missing right now in, in the receiving game. And you're hopeful that we have enough you know, good run blocking tight ends. And, and we have a great fullback that uh, hopefully Kolar can provide something the offense needs. Um, and and it, it seems like both of them are, are just really critical to adding something down the stretch and adding something to this offense, um, either consistency in the passing game um, or just being more uh, adjustable with, with in the, in the run game as well. And, and being able to threaten both, uh, which you know can, is really exciting because I don't think we've had the tight end depth, or um since like this since 2019 for sure. Yeah. All right. Um the I guess the the lap cleaning up the fourth round. Um we talked about him a little bit already, but uh Pepe has been uh you know kind of thrown into that that similar to um similar to Falele, maybe thrown into a position that maybe he wasn't ready for, but he showed a lot of uh, promise in the preseason and was very, it was very complimented. You know, the right beat writers were um, complimentative of his energy and, and excited. You know, he seemed like an exciting prospect. Um, you know, as, as an athlete, he is, you know, not really on the, in terms of like a RAS score, he really isn't, um, you know, meeting expectations for an NFL player, but it, it seems like he uh, has a you know, great with the coaches. Um, they seem to trust him in some critical situations um, and he, I mean, he has struggled for a fourth round rookie and I think that that's okay. I, I think that he can definitely work to, uh, develop during practice, but he has shown on the field that they have, they put him in critical situations and, um, he's tried his best to contribute. Uh, I, I think that he probably needs some more, t- some more time, but, um, you know, improving it in the slot and that, in that position is very complicated. So, uh, I think, I think it's been, you know, a, a fair start for Pepe Williams is a late round rookie draft, fourth round draft pick. Um, and I'm definitely hopeful for his improvement in future in Baltimore for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to expect out of him at this point. Um, honestly, it is a trial by fire. It's also a trial by, by, you know, he's getting a trial at a position that happens to be open that exactly meets, you know, what he should be able to do. Um, I think they still think he's a cut ahead of Ardarius Washington or Ardarius Washington wouldn't be on the practice squad. So they, they have hope on some level that to me is kind of a positive thing um, that, that, uh, that he's there. He does, he does some things I like. I think he plays longer than he is, meaning I think he does a better job of reaching across the body of a receiver to try and get his hand on a football, pretty good understanding about where the ball is um, that you see on, on crossers at least. A good downhill player in terms of what he does to try and try and help with tackles and whatnot. So I think there's there's a lot of positive things to uh, to draw from his game, but there's just there's there, he does not have that real top end speed, and he uh, is not giving the Ravens exactly what they need 
um, in the middle. I think if, if you're looking at what could I get, this is the, the other pair of matchings that, that we really need to talk about is if you're looking at what can I get out of Pepe and when, what can I get out of uh, Kyle Hamilton in the slot, you give up even a little more speed to get to put Hamilton on the field, but then you get a bunch of other things. You get size. And that those size and the ability to to, to um, uh, you know hit a, tip a ball in the air is really valuable. The the uh, other things you get with with Hamilton, I think, to a greater degree, are ball awareness. Probably more in terms of second man to the ball skills, meaning trying to force fumbles, particularly on run plays around the line of scrimmage. I think you know just dragging a seam, if that's what he's asked to do, will be something that Hamilton does pretty well with his size. You know, being able to even though he can he might trail that receiver by a little bit. Um, he's going to he's going to give that quarterback a tighter window just because of his size. So I like some of that. Um, you know, there are limitations that come along with Hamilton, and you got to accept those along with all the other positives that come from being a good tackler, being a good pass rusher. We've seen him be very elusive, make Froholt look like, you know, what the hell is he doing in the NFL? You know, trying to trying to block him. Um, I, I I really like you know the other ancillary things we found, and it's harder for me to value those positively with Pepe, um, particularly since I just don't see this huge difference in coverage ability between the two. If there if there was an enormous difference in coverage ability, well, hey, that's the thing that will send Hamilton back to the bench in in situations where the big nickel could be the answer and you go to a standard nickel, uh, which would include Pepe. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Um, uh, for right now, I think it's Hamilton's job to lose. Yeah, he, he's just so much more interchangeable in their defense. Just you know, provides a, a few more skills. I think that people on their people uh, on their defense just lack uh, the ball skills, and the, and the pass rush has just been. You know, he's shown some moves that um, definitely are, are exciting and and can bring another element um, to Mike to Mike McDonald's defense. Uh, and then you know, wrapping up the fourth round, don't, don't forget punters are punters are people too. Um, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Stout. Um, I think drafting a punter is always a surprise. Uh, drafting a punter in the fourth round is even more of a surprise. Uh, and it's obviously also nerve wracking when you have the greatest kicker of all time. And um, the man who has been holding his, his kicks for the last uh, however many years, uh, 10, 11 years uh, is now forced to retire because of Jordan Stout. Um, and, I, that was my, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm happy he can punt far and I'm happy he can punt inside the 20, but you cannot mess with Justin Tucker's whole, uh, kicks. That's, that's, uh, that'll make you public enemy number one in Baltimore. Um, but I, knock on wood so far, so good. It's, it seems like he has, um, really taken task to how, um, how intense Tucker is with, you know, and in, in particular he is. Uh, it, they do talk about it a ton in the press conferences, how Stout has been eager to learn and um, listens to Sam Cook you know, more than anyone. Um, so I, I think that that's a good sign. It, and, you know, Justin Tucker is a uh, a legend, but I, I, I do think that he is probably very intense to play with as a kicker, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing. I, I don't think you're the greatest kicker of all time unless you you are that intense. Um, so it, it seems like he is done a fair job so far of um, making sure the holes are tight. Um, 11 punts inside the 20 years. Also nice. Uh, he, he's had, he had a couple, couple of rough punts that, um, you know, uh, make you make you question why you draft a punt during round four, but nonetheless, it seems like he um, is providing some type of value to the Ravens. Um, 
but the, the holding part's the most important thing to me for sure. I, I would agree. The holding part is the most important thing. And the Ravens have maintained their spot at the top of the special teams DeVoe in the league. Uh, it's, it's, it's broad based, but a lot of it is on Tucker's kicks. So Stout has to be good. Um, so far, Stout has punted how many times this year? I need to get that here. Uh, 29 times on the season. I don't know how many in 10s he had. But it hasn't been 53% of his punts. And 53% of his punts between the 30s uh, in in his senior year or his, or his last two years of college, or maybe it was his, all four, his entire career in college, couldn't actually tell you which one it was. Um, 53% of his punts were in 10s between the 30. So in 20 isn't what we got him for. We got him for in 10. And I, I, I wish we had seen more from him or more evidence that there are a bunch of different um, kick methods like Cook had, you know, he can kick it on a line. He can kick it for distance. He can, and we've, so we certainly seen him kick it for distance, but that he is a, you know, a kind of a flawless directional punter in terms of getting exactly the, the azimuth he'd want on his uh, uh, punts there instead of just, I, I generally want to kick it left and, and he shanked a couple that way. Uh, I, I, I want to see, I want to see more in 10. I want to see more directional. I want to see more accuracy of length, um, out of him. But, uh, but honestly, you know, given all the, the range of outcomes, I'll take what's happened. Uh, I think it's, it, you know, it's right in the middle, maybe even a little bit better that he's, he's been the holder cook was essentially. Yeah, that and and that part's essential. And, and uh, you know, hopefully, as he gets more comfortable in the NFL, he can start to provide that the, some of those intent punts. Um, but I, you know, you you have to love his attention to detail and, and the fact that he didn't, um, you know, he he took he took that seriously, just the holding role and, and uh, for for Tucker. Uh, and then the last guy, the last part of their draft class is uh, Tyler Beatty. Um, well, I know you you had uh, something on you know just providing value for the team and. Um, you know what his cut actually means in terms of like draft pick value. Well, I think it's I think it's actually kind of interesting that he hasn't been uh, elevated at some point. I mean, they have Mike Davis, and I don't really see what Mike Davis is providing. I, actually, I did see an unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable chip block in this last game, so we saw that. But but Mike Davis has not provided this team a lot, and Tyler Beatty would give them a speed and cutback option uh, where they need to have those on the field at a sidecar. So I wonder if something else is wrong at this point. Obviously, there, there have been opportunities for other teams to pick him up. Uh, that will continue to happen until they don't have Tyler Beatty anymore. And I would think that would happen before the end of this season for certain as running backs go down around the NFL uh, that he'll be taken off the Ravens practice squad. Uh, a couple guys there who, who probably will be. Devon Kennard will probably be gone uh, before it's over. Isaiah Mack will probably be gone before it's over if the Ravens don't elevate him at some point permanently. So, uh, you know, there's a handful of players ar- around there who the Ravens can't keep, but uh, Tyler Beatty is is one who they might really want to. And if he somehow slips through to the end of the year, I'm going to wonder what was wrong. I'm going to wonder, you know, is there something with the mesh point that's not working? Um, and should he be back out there? But the other thing you got to ask yourself, and I think this is a legitimate question about past drafts as well, is when you draft a guy in a low round and then you cut him and then you get him back for whatever reason, he's not really a draft pick anymore If you once you've exposed him to waivers. You, you lost your 
your rights on him and you he went back into a pool where every other team had a chance at him and then you re-signed him and if he happens to then play well for you um you don't think you can really get the draft pick value out of that player anymore and it's unfortunately if you want to really you know find a player that really matters for Geno Stone who's now an excellent player uh you know in his third year um is I don't think I can call him the Ravens' best ever seventh-round draft pick without an asterisk being attached to it for the fact that they let him go and he you know, he went away to the Texans and came back first. Yeah, not to uh, go off on a Geno Stone rant, but I think that they're not – I wouldn't say lucky that the 2020 preseason was canceled due to the pandemic, but um, the very little tape of Geno Stone and, and yeah. the late pickup of – I think he got picked up by the Texans and then, you know, they released him. Um, There's just so, so little out there that they were able to bring him back, uh, which was really nice. And they, the Texans had a change of regime as well. Um, so you could see them wanting a clean start, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're lucky that, that, you know, they they were able to get stone back. And I, I don't know if Beatty, um, if he'll survive the whole year. Um, and if he does, you have to start to wonder, you know, is, is there something, is there something wrong there or, um, you know, what's what's going on, the fact that he's not being plucked off the, the Ravens practice squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Outstanding. Just a, a really good run through this. And Danny Pace was just perfect. And I know we're, we're up there a little bit longer than we want to go. But uh, talking about every player in this way is exactly, you know, what I appreciate doing. It's great talking football with you. Tell folks again where they can talk with you if, if they'd like to hit you up on Twitter or anywhere else. Yeah. So just uh, D Joseph 0815, if you... Um, if you want to talk any Ravens football or uh, criticize my rookie takes, uh, I'm open to open to any criticism. But thanks for having me on, Ken. This was a ton of fun, um, an exciting class for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, uh, hit me up with a DM. I'll get right back to you. Uh, other, if if you're looking at YouTube videos of film study, or you're looking at this and you want to write a review, or you want to like and subscribe, always encourage you to do that. The kind of thing that will make the show grow. Get one friend to give film study a try. Somebody who hasn't listened to it before, you think they you know, might like it for whatever reason. Uh, love to have that word of mouth advertising that gets it out there. Danny, really appreciate having you on again. Thanks, Ken, a lot. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.